It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Jeffrey Lipsius, author of a really interesting new book called Selling to the Point. Now, so much of what is written about selling just sort of rehashes much of what has been written before. There are only a few authors that really present a different perspective on exactly what buying and selling are. And if you want to pay close attention, these books will force you to think more deeply about how you go about the process of helping your customers make purchase decisions. So at a time when sellers are struggling with how to embrace automation, how to figure out this quote-unquote personalization at scale, my guest today, Jeffrey Lipsius, as well as some of us out here, are trying to make sure that the personal side of selling doesn't get lost. Because if you figure out the personal side, then you're going to win a lot of business. So Jeffrey Lipsius, welcome to the show. Hi, Andy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. So just take a minute, introduce yourself. Well, my name is Jeffrey Lipsius. My sales background comes from the natural foods industry, and I've been selling for over 30 years, sales manager, sales trainer, VP of sales for one of the largest vitamin brands, Source Naturals. And in the process of training my sales force, I learned a new way to sell, which I want to introduce to everybody today. So, well, interesting, though, was it, it was a, did it emanate from teaching yourself a new way to sell, but there was sort of a, a sort of personal aspect to that as well, right? Well, yes. Okay. What happened was I started when I was 19 years old as a college tennis player, and I wanted to improve my performance on the court. And I had this idea that if I practiced my internal mental state the way I practice a forehand or a backhand, I would be able to be more competitive. So I started looking into ways, none of the coaches knew what I was talking about. They just said, hit more drills, you know, practice more forehands, practice more backhands. Well, this so, was before the day of sports psychologists. Yes, 1974, actually. And I was trying hypnosis, biofeedback, and I came upon a meditation practice that interested me because I was actually able to do it on the court while I was playing tennis. And it made me more aware and actually made me a better tennis player. When I went into uh, the selling profession, I thought, why not apply this method to selling? So I would sell to my customers, meditate, sell to my customers and meditate. And as I got my inner thoughts very quiet and really paid attention, I heard something that I never heard before. It was affecting my conversation, my interaction with my customer. And this was the internal buying conversation between the customer's ears. And nobody ever taught me about this before. And yet, when I put aside all of my judgments of what the customers should say and what I want them to say and what I was trained to handle, put that aside, just listen to the customer, I notice that 
they're in the very important decision process. And the more I can get involved with their decision process rather than my selling process, the more successful I could be. And so this became the first insight of selling to the point that the goal of selling isn't selling, it's buying. Yeah. And the customer's buying performance is more important than the salesperson's selling performance. Okay. Well, let me. Well, let's, 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 let's take a step back. So you, you said you're meditating while playing tennis. Yes. All right. So most people think about meditation as being this eye closed, sitting in the lotus position type type process. So yeah, you obviously weren't doing that while you're playing tennis. So yeah. So what were you doing? Well, it's inner peace. Yeah, if my eyes are shut and I'm sitting, I'm a lot less distracted. I could go a lot deeper, but still the technique of turning my awareness inside to a place of inner peace, I could still do that while I'm on the tennis court. And there were a lot of tennis matches where that made a very big difference, uh, being able to be in a mental state where I could perform more optimally. You see, we perform by learning, and we learn by how we observe. And we observe by the clear awareness of seeing what's before us without any distractions. And the less distracted we are, the more we observe, the better we learn, the better we perform. And it goes just like that for selling, too. Yeah, I mean, clearly, this is you know topic du jour, I think, for many salespeople, as you're sitting here listening to this conversation, is, is that... Yeah, you know, it's hard not to get distracted, and it's all, all sorts of sources of distraction, right? You've got your cell phone for one, which you know, obviously should be put away and turned off when you're talking with customers. But yeah, but that temptation is is difficult for many mm-hmm. sales reps, and obviously that distracts you from listening to what the customer is saying. Right. Um, you're thinking about the next question you're going to ask, or you're thinking about, as you said, what the customer is going to say, or what you want them to say, and what you're going to say in response to that, because you know you're so. These days, I mean, a good portion of sales teams are pretty heavily scripted. And it's not that they don't have the, the ability to sort of go off script, but you know, being so scripted perhaps closes their eyes to some of what the customers got, or ears to what some of the customers going to say. Well, it completely closes your eyes. I mean, the customer doesn't know anything about your script, so <laughs> the customer really can't engage in in your script, you know, the customer doesn't attend your home office trainings, so the customer doesn't know how they're supposed to respond. Really, the customer is the one who's doing the performance. It's, it's a decision performance, and it's internal. The salesperson can't see the gears turning inside the customer's head when they're making their decisions, but it affects everything in terms of the salesperson's productivity. Now, just because we can't see it, just because we can't hear the customer's decision process because it's taking place inside of them, doesn't mean we can't influence it. A a farmer can grow a perfectly good crop without understanding photosynthesis. And so what I do in the book is I show people aspects of customer decision-making that like you said, will make 
salespeople less distracted. It's, it's not so easy to approach a sales call without being distracted by your script, by your training, by what the manager is going to ask you about later, how the sales call went. Yeah, I think one of the things that you're really talking about is it's salespeople listen and say, well, well, think, we'll listen to this and say, well, I do listen. But if we sort of go back to the beginning is, is you know, you're talking about a, a way of really being, a, you know, customer focused mm-hmm. in what you're doing and you're selling. And, and certainly there have been numerous books written about customer centered selling or customer centric selling or whatever, you know, whatever we want to call that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, this is different. This is, this is even more intentional. Yeah, even customer-centric selling is it's rehearsed. I mean, you are guessing what the customer is going to say, and then you orient your presentation around what you're anticipating will be the customer's interests, which is nice. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you understand you're guessing, you don't know until you're actually interacting with the customer what exactly their unique individual set of beliefs and values are. And to the extent that a salesperson can respond to what they're hearing in terms of the beliefs and values and priorities of that particular customer, the more influential that salesperson's going to be. The, my book is written in the form of a story. And the reason I did that was because I want salespeople to see how one could learn through interaction and have that be the the primary learning tool that we might come prepared with a sales presentation, but when we get to the customer, everything might go out the window because they're having a bad day, they're in a hurry, uh, we find out they had a really bad experience with a previous product we didn't know about. These are all things that we have to respond to. And you know what's interesting, Andy? If you go on the internet and Google appropriate response, you know what you get? Buddhism. You get all these different schools of Buddhism because it goes back to that original requirement of being aware in a non-distracted, non-judgmental way when you're paying close attention to the customer, I mean, really being customer-centric. That's when salespeople can respond. Well, I think the critical word in there is non-judgmental. So, as you talk about, and we're going to explore more in the second half of the show about uh, mindfulness, which this a lot of this derives from. But you know, to really be focused on the customer is you have to that suspend judgment. You have to not have a predisposition to have the answer be one way or another. And I think there's really, you know, everybody carries with them biases and prejudices and, and so on. I mean, uh, when you study how doctors are taught um, making diagnoses and to listen to patients, is there's a list of you know, 22 sort of built-in biases they have to filter out in order to really listen to what the, the patient is saying. Mm, that that's interesting, and I think we yes. carry those as salespeople as well. Is, is we assume based on the person and the type and the business they're in and so on that their answers mean certain things. But if if we're not, as you talk about, if we're not really, really focused and listening in a judgmental, non judgmental way, excuse me, mm-hmm. 
then these these built-in bias filters are going to come into play. And we're going we're to miss the opportunity to really connect with the customer in a way that, that no one else would. Yeah, well, um, and what I say in my book, I, I think the best point of view for a salesperson to take is that we, we look at ourselves as decision coaches. Now, as salespeople, we sometimes find ourselves in the position of being customers as well. And when we're customers, why would we want to talk to a salesperson? Because we think that salesperson is going to help us make a better decision. So we need to understand that's why customers are willing to talk to us and expect to talk to us. But if we are being decision coaches and helping customers make a better decision as a result of our influence, then I think the judgment goes away. And you start to see how customers struggle with decisions. I'll give you an example. So many people tell me the importance of trust. You know, I have to earn the customer's trust. I need customers to be confident in me. Well, that's external trust between the salesperson and customer. There's also internal trust, the customer's self-trust in their ability to make a good decision. As a matter of fact, (laughs) internal trust comes first. The customer's not going to trust the salesperson unless they trust themselves to decide if they can trust a salesperson. So, Well, how's that manifested? How is it manifested? That, that inter- internal trust. I mean, what's what's the what's the trigger for the buyer to develop that internal trust? Well, what happens is buyers have a certain level of self doubt, and the salesperson, knowing the history of those customers' decisions or asking the customer more information, can help coach the customer to be more confident in themselves instead of prioritizing being confident about the salesperson. How would that, how would you do that as a salesperson? That's, I mean, it's an interesting perspective. I, how do, I, I like this idea of uh, sales as a decision coach. Uh, how do you help the potential buyer deal with their own self-doubt about whether this is a decision that they can make? Well, I have a tool in my book, and it's called Buying Points. So what I'm saying is, since the goal of selling is buying, salespeople instead of using buying points, should really, priori- I mean, <laughs> selling points, should really prioritize buying points. Buying points are questions that help the customer get more clear on what they really want and knowing how they can go about getting it. These are coaching questions. And so I, I teach salespeople how to ask the kinds of questions that would get customers focused on things they need to determine in order to make the best decision. So can you give an example? Oh, yeah. An example would be uh, I was talking to someone at, at Best Buy, and they wanted a Kindle Fire, but they didn't realize the Kindle Fire didn't have a um, keyboard, so they couldn't type, they couldn't word process. And they blamed this consumer blamed the salesperson for not pointing it out. The salesperson happened to be very knowledgeable, but never asked, do you, what do you want to do with your Kindle Fire? 
That's a coaching question. Mm-hmm. Once the customer says, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that, the salesperson can say, oh, well, uh, Kindle Fire is not the right thing because it, it doesn't word process. You want this other one. So the salesperson is being more interested in the customer's needs and what the customer wants than what their product does. And these are what I'm saying. Questions are going to get the customer more clear. And once they feel clear, they're going to be more confident in their decision-making ability. I actually have it boiled down to just three things. Internal confidence, internal choice, and internal clarity. If customers have these three things, they're going to be able to make the best decisions. I could go over each of the three if you want, but the important thing is that they're internal. So I'm saying since the goal of selling is buying and buying also known as decision-making is an internal process, salespeople really need to turn things around to the customer's internal process, which is very important because internal decision-making, decision-making where the customer actually made the decision is the most powerful. Yeah. Oh, you said decision-making where the customer actually makes the decision as opposed to, you know, being persuaded or convinced to do it, you mean? Oh, sure. Salespeople like to be the center of attraction. They like to have a lot of influence. They like to really persuade customers as much as they can. But then I would ask the question, what happens when the salesperson leaves? Salespeople need to rely on customers taking independent initiative quite a bit. And when the salesperson's gone, the enthusiasm goes with them unless the decision was internalized, unless the customer made the decision their own, really owned mm-hmm. the decision to buy. Mm-hmm. Because after the salesperson leaves, the customer has to use the product. Uh, the salesperson wants the customer to recommend the product to other people. If a competitor approaches that product, the salesperson wants the customer to say, I'm happy with the product I already have. These are things the salesperson has to rely on the customer to do when the salesperson's not there. So actually, I'm recommending salespeople step out of the way and let customers be as involved in their decision process as much as possible. And the salespeople are there to help support the customer's internal decision process. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think that that the whole point is that when I write about this in one of my books is that yeah, selling's not something you do to someone; you do something something you do with somebody, right? And you're really describing a, a true collaboration in order to arrive at a decision. Yeah, that's teamwork. When the salesperson and customer are both there to help the customer make the best decision, then you're working together as a team and. How many salespeople actually approach the sales call with that kind of mindset where they're there to help the customer make the best decision? Not that many. And I think that's the result of why salespeople, the selling profession has a a negative stigma attached to it because a lot of salespeople are not working with their customers toward a common goal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, in my book, quote a, a quote from Jeffrey Bezos, founder and CEO of Amazon, that I, statement he had made in an interview in the Harvard Business Review, 
an interview he was interviewed in, and I thought it encapsulated sales incredibly well, which you know, the quote was, we don't make money when we sell things, we make money when we help customers make purchase decisions. And that's that's what sales is about. And it's not about selling a thing, it's about helping a customer make a decision. Yeah, and decision-making is, if anything, the most important factor in the quality of life that we live. I mean, so many things that we experience on a day-to-day basis are based on the decisions we've made. So salespeople can help customers with decision-making itself, which is what my book is about, how to do that. You're really giving the customer a tremendous gift that goes beyond just you making a good purchase decision. Right. Well, good. We're going to take a short break, and I'll be back with my guest, Jeffrey Lipsius, talking some more about selling to the point. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back with my guest, Jeffrey Lipsius. We were talking about his new book, Selling to the Point. I wanted to get into, in a few, talk about sort of the, I don't know, philosophy, if you will, that informs the whole book, which is, and this you also write about this on your blog and other places, is this practice of mindfulness. And it's a term I know that's out there a lot. Maybe people aren't really familiar with it, but give a, give a short description of what mindfulness is. Well, mindfulness is essentially an awareness of the moment in a non-judgmental way moment by moment. So it's accepting what's taking place regardless of how we want it to go or how it should go, how we're expecting to go. We put all that aside and just the term I like to use is isness, just the way it is and accepting that. Well, that, and it's inhabiting the moment, as you talk about. I mean, it's it's neither yeah. the past nor the future. It's just a non-judgmental way mm-hmm. inhabiting the moment. And the, uh, mindfulness derives from meditative background, meditative techniques. Zen, I don't know, or you tell me, which where does it come from? Yes, it, it comes from Buddhism. It comes from Zen. Uh, there's mindfulness exercises that involve paying attention to the breath because the breath is just so one of the most centering things we could put our attention on. And so mindfulness would be like a breath awareness would help people be able to maintain a point of mindfulness on a day-to-day basis. I've been a daily meditator for over 40 years. So when we talk then about mindfulness to sort of informing a lot of the practice within selling to point, as you talk about, you know, being Mm -hmm. completely customer focused, being, aware in a non-judgmental way, paying attention intentionally. How, you know, are there specific, you talked about the importance of breathing and in meditative technique, but also in mindfulness, is how do you, how do you work with sales rep to give them some tips about, okay, what can they actually do physically, mentally when they're with the prospect to become 
less distracted, suspend sort of the disbelief or the judgment that they might have, and really pay attention? Um, I, I don't actually require that in my book, although the principles from my book came from my own meditation practice. I, you could say, sort of done the work. <laughs> so a salesperson could be productive doing the things in my book who you know, might not be wanting to meditate. But what I would say is that when you're intrigued by the customer's decision process, you are in a meditative state. The customer becomes your mantra. <laughs> and the salesperson's mind quiets down as they become intrigued with how this customer is assimilating and using and processing the information that's being given to them by the salesperson. It's focused awareness. And the more the salesperson pays attention to the customer, actually, the more the salesperson's mind will just quiet down on its own because the mental state of being intrigued is actually a very Zen state. People that are intrigued are not distracted and they lose track of time and they're focused and their focus is effortless. So that's what I'm prescribing as a mindfulness in my book is the salesperson's state of interest in their customer's decision process. Well, I think really what I would use another word that maybe you hear a lot of salespeople use and is you have to be curious or that the mindset of being curious, mm -hmm. you said intrigued, well, I'll, I'll use the word curious uh -huh. is, is yeah, is centering as you said, because what yeah. you're doing is you're, you're saying if you sort of extend your curiosity, the extra mm -hmm. mile is, is what you're saying is that, yeah, I, I don't know what the customer is going to say. I don't have a, you know, a canned answer. I'm not expecting them to say X, Y, and Z because I'm curious to see what they're actually going to say. And you get to that point, it seems like, all right, there you're really on the cusp of saying, okay, now we're going to start building a relationship that you know, transcends perhaps what other sales reps are able to accomplish. Right. And it all has to do with being best able to respond. When you're intrigued, when you're interested, when you're curious, that's when you get the most data in order to respond to. And I assure you, the salespeople that respond most accurately to their customers are the salespeople that are more successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that you know, we get into the curiosity, it, it then also opens you up to asking more questions because you're curious. Sure. You're not, not going to be satisfied with the answer. And if you... If you can take that and learn how to ask that that next question and the next question after and really pay attention, I mean the the connection with the customer is going to be pretty intense and very authentic and uh, rewarding. Sure, I, and you have to ask questions because, like I said, decision making is an internal process. So, how in the world could a salesperson learn how that customer is making their decision? By asking questions. That's how you get into the internal buying process. But and it has to be 
has to be can't be really necessarily be your scripted questions, right? Because you're you're not sure what they're going to say. So, you know, there's a whole right. a whole art of you know what is what's the best second question you can ask. And you know, I think in your in your environment, what you're talking about, if people really are embracing this, is it's you're gonna have a lot of questions along the the lines of you know, well, tell me more about that. Yeah, and then the customer sees you're truly interested, and you don't have to worry about establishing trust with the customer. It just happens because you and the customer are both trying to help them arrive at the best decision. I've taken sales courses where a good percentage of the course is just about how to counter tricks that customers play on salespeople and when customers are trying to take advantage of the salesperson, get free information or, or whatever, you know, like this whole suspicion and, you know, when's the customer being genuine and when's the customer trying to lead the salesperson along. And it's like, forget all that. <laughs> if you're there asking questions to help the customer's decision process, you're both doing the same thing. They're both going to be genuine with you and, and you're going to have a great relationship without trying. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. That great information about your book. We're going to move on to the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask my guests. First one is a hypothetical scenario that you play the leading role in. You've just been hired. You, Jeffrey, as a new sales manager, sales leader, actually, at a company whose sales have sort of hit the skids. They've stalled out and CEOs hired you to turn things around. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? Well, the first thing I would do is ask salespeople uh, what their customer's thinking process is. So instead of telling customers, um, instead of telling my salespeople what they should say, I would tell the I would tell the salespeople to pay attention to the customers and can they tell me how the customers arrived at the decision not to buy? What was their thinking? And reframe the conversation around customers not always making decisions in their best interest. If a salesperson or a company is not being productive, either the product isn't in response to the marketplace at the time, or it's a perfectly good product, but customers, for some reason, are deciding not to buy it. And what is it about the customer that's resulting in them not making the best decisions in their best interest? Okay. Okay. So another question for you then is when you, Jeffrey, are out selling – selling your services. So what, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Asking questions, of course. But what I like to do is see what customers need to determine in order to make the best decision. And then I ask them questions that are going to put their attention on those variables that will intrigue them and lead them to see to tell me what they need to know in order to, to buy the product. I'd like to know what's a customer's priority, and I'd like to know their belief and value system so I can respond with 
selecting the selling points that are going to be uh, integrated with their belief and value system. So when I leave, that customer is still going to feel a part of the product and their relationship is more with the product than it is with me. Okay. Who's your sales role model? My sales role model is Timothy Galway, the author of The Inner Game. Okay. Yeah, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Cool. Yeah. So other than your own and other than the Galway book on tennis, what's one book every salesperson should read? Well, I like uh, – there's a book called Power Questions by Deb Calvert. Mm-hmm. And it's all about asking the right questions and, and actually list questions. It's called Power Questions Get You Connected. And I really like that book, and I like Deb Calvert's work. Yeah, yeah, she's been on a couple times. Yeah, she's very oh. good. Mm-hmm. So what music's on your playlist right now? What music? Uh, my favorite band is Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking um, of them recently with the uh, death of the guy from Emerson Lake Palmer. It's, uh, <laughs> similar, similar styles. Um, okay, so uh, last question is, what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? Uh, the most question, they say, well, how do you get customers to, to trust you? That, that seems, how do you get the customer's trust? And your answer is? And my answer is, it's not even something you think about. You just make sure the customer trusts themselves. It, because it's not about you. The, the sale is not about you. Customers are not going to buy because they like you. Customers are going to buy because they like the product. And the sooner salespeople could put themselves aside and see that the decision process is about the customer and themselves, the more successful they'll be. Okay. I, I've purchased products from salespeople I didn't necessarily like. <laughs> But I bought it because I thought it was a better product. Sure. Yeah. Well, I th- I, yeah. I mean, when people say people buy from people they know, like, and trust, I th- still think like is a relative term in there. But, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's a, hey, I want to be your best friend type thing. Um, well, good. Well, thank you for being my guest today, Jeffrey Lipsius. Jeffrey, how can people find out more about you? Well, you can go to my website, www.sellingtothepoint.com. Uh, I have a book that's out called Selling to the Point. You could find it under my name, Jeffrey Lipsius, or Selling to the Point on Amazon. Uh, and Or write me at jefflsellingtothepoint.com. at sellingtothepoint.com. Perfect. Great. Thank you very much again. Thank you, Andy. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success and one way to do that is to make Accelerate, this podcast, a part of your daily routine, whether you're listening to it on your commute, in the gym, or making a part of your morning sales meeting. You'll then make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jeffrey Lipsius, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me, and until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. 
For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. 